Alrighty, welcome back to Eagle's Nest Studio 2. Kick it in Studio B once again. Fox trotting in a foxhole. Season 5, Episode 3, number 131 overall. Faithful host here, Ken Harlan, on a, what's turned out to be a pleasant Saturday afternoon up here on the hill in Eugene, Oregon. As always, we thank the folks at www.purpleplanet.com folks at Mixler for providing the wonderful tunes that we use in these podcasts. Always the shout out to Road in Zoom for providing wonderful tools for content creation for, you know, videographers, podcast hosts, you know, all that kind of cool stuff. <clears throat> you want to be on the podcast or support the podcast or just say, hey, you know the drill, F-T-I-N-F-X at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Especially if you want to come on this podcast or the other one, you know, whenever we decide to revive that, getting some more ideas. All right, without further ado, let's rock this. The COVID Chronicles. Yeah, kind of interesting. Is the World Cup is what, you know, gee whiz, something like eight, nine days away. You know, I, I think... This segment, you know, is always is here since this podcast has began. You know, keep threatening to take it away or hoping it will. Um, I think of the sporting side, as we've spoke a lot in the past, there's not a lot of transparency taking place. I think that's pretty evident that, you know, I, for example, this past week, I think it was, or was it last week? No, it was just, yeah, it was last week with Pat Beverly, you know, Pat Bev, now the Lakers, the well-traveled Pat Bev. And they were so quick to talk about his illness being a non-COVID illness. It's like, well, why even bring it up if it's a non-COVID illness other than you folks are trying to like keep these things muted? And why I say that is because when you, when you look around the globe and you see uh, numbers on either side, on the one hand, you have you know the WHO, not Pete and Roger, but the World Health Organization, saying that deaths are down 90% since February 2020. Well, yeah, no kidding, because many people decided to take the vaccine, and their chances of dying from this are greatly reduced. Not rocket science, right? Even Drew Barrymore, you know, right? She got a nasty case of COVID-19 this past week, and she had to call on the reinforcements to handle her talk show hosting duties. See, you know, once again, at least, obviously, because she wasn't there, but at least she was transparent about it. I like these sports teams where you never can tell. Although I will give the Washington Wizards some props, as at least they did announce, or maybe because somehow they couldn't cover it up, when Bradley Bill entered the NBA's quarantine health safety protocol. Because yeah, the Hollywood Pat Bev... And that really trying to emphasize now, okay, mind you, I, I think he came back, you know, pretty, pretty quickly. But, of course, you wouldn't know it from the way he shoots the ball or anything else on that team. But we'll talk about that in the NBA beat when we get to it. Um, you know, the news out of China is always giving us something to ponder. You know, and I've told you all kinds of interesting tidbits coming out of there over the last six or seven weeks or so. As you know, this becomes just more of the segment of what's going on, what we know, 
That's very little, I might add, when it comes to CV19 myself. Although this podcast has helped educate me quite a bit. Um, okay, so what do we have here? The, co- the country announced it's easy against COVID-19 restrictions, which means shorter quarantine time for inboard travelers, uh, which is weird because they're easy restrictions, but yet the data suggests numbers are, are skyrocketing all over that country. As we told you last week that there's definitely going to be a shortage of, of iPhones probably in the holiday time in the Q1 2023, just because of the very restrictive lockdowns and just the number of cases that have just been rising in certain provinces. Something to keep an eye on, folks. You know, as many people who on the Y side will tell you, we're definitely not out of the woods with this thing. We may never be. But, you know, there is a certain, you know, level of not being afraid as we were almost three years ago. Fair enough as far as that goes. You know, and when I say, you know, why, okay, why you have to keep an eye on this. I know I'm all over the place today, but that's the nature of it. Clark County, Nevada, which I used to live. And of course, if you folks know your geography, you know that Clark County is where Las Vegas and Pahrump, well, Pahrump's actually in Nye County, right? But okay, Clark County, Las Vegas. 42% increase in reported cases. Why is that a concern to us? Well, as we've been talking about for the last, I don't know, since the broadcast began, about how Vegas is becoming one of the main hubs of the sports world. Whether it be the No Fun League, whether it be the the conference championships, global events, UFC. I mean, it's just endless, you know, soon to be MLB, if all the indications are correct. So for cases to be up 42%, knowing there was a lot of big events on docket from here on, not to mention the National Finals Rodeo as well. Definitely want to be keeping an eye on our favorite city in Southern Nevada. Okay. And just for perspective, cases are only up 11% nationally. So that tells you why you should be concerned about Vegas, especially, you know, if you're a promoter, owner, or even fans who plan the trip there, as always. Huh. And, you know, something else that I thought was kind of interesting, because you have to always keep an eye on the other end of the spectrum, where New York City and its still restrictive mandate as far as municipal employees are concerned. And there's a big howling in this week of elections that basically the Supreme Court Justice, Sonia, she refuses to intervene with the challenges to the city's mandate vaccine mandate for municipal employees, which has got a lot of people cranky because teachers, firemen, policemen have lost their jobs or in all kinds of litigation, mitigation. Yeah. And I'm not surprised that that's how, because, you know, basically she's the one who's been appointed to that district for, you know, emergency matters like this, because this is, you know, obviously still a national emergency, even though we act like it's not. Yeah. 
Okay, here's the water is wet jab. <laughs> Gotta get one of these in every week. So, reports coming out say the global vaccine market is lagging due to a profit over health mindset. This is one of those for reals you don't say. Uh, yeah. Like I said, this is the water is wet jab for sure. And lastly, of course, another one from GRE Surprise, the folks at Earth.com coming out this week and saying that more than likely the origins of COVID-19 will remain a mystery. <laughs> okay, folks, we got to slog through that. We'll catch up with the high view of campus on the other side. Right, welcome back to Fox Rock in a Foxhole. Definitely chilling back here in Studio B. Got the command post totally set up. Got a little couch tour on one monitor that I was watching. On the other monitor, we got the now very looking human Crimson Tide in trouble once again on the road in Oxford. All right, on that note, you know what time it is. Yeah, it's kind of early. I got some tasty adult beverages in the refrigerator, but, you know, it's like 2.38. Long evening ahead with plenty of couch tour coming up. So I think I'm going to hold off. Instead, kick it with this uh, rock star punched. The sun's out so I can grab my cool sunglasses. I'll get my hipster friends. I'm going to Uber and all that kind of stuff. Made our way to Eugene Airport, got through TSA. I know people always wonder, who are those badasses with the Gulfstream 550? But there it is. Yes, folks, it's time to hop on our Gulfstream 550 and take the high view over campus. Well, we got action going on right now, as I told you, with the Crimson Tide trailing by three, early third quarter, turnovers, as usual, being a problem for Saban's boys. But what we do know from last week is UGA, that's right, the University of Georgia at Athens, is definitely who we thought they were. If a 27-13 win over the Vols doesn't convince you, or a 49-3 ass-whooping Oregon doesn't convince you, I don't know what will. Now, I always say that... Watch how good you look now and how good you look later. All things are in play, especially with a two-loss Alabama team. Could be three. But yeah, I mean, what we've seen so far is the wise people like to say, do the eye test, and the folks down in Afton, them Bulldogs, by the way, rest in peace for Vince Dooley. Right, you know, they're probably going to try to win one for him. Anyway, yeah. Don't really, you know, one of those water is wet jabs. Don't really need to, like, really worry about that, these guys yet until they stumble. But you have to ask yourself, what to make of those folks down in Fort Worth? And if you're in Fort Worth, you're probably saying to yourself, well, why the hell not us? 
And the Horned Frogs soar to 9-0 after beating Texas Tech. So we asked the question, is they legit? Well, if you listen to the Talking Heads this week, and you know, that's kind of what I do when I'm sitting, you know, in between my one assignment or another, and I'm trying to get another one, or when I'm on assignment, that's where I get a lot of data, or at least do a lot of brainstorming, so it's easier for me to do this without having, you know, because I don't have somebody to have a production meeting to talk these things out like those folks do. So a lot of it is, you know, what I can pick out of what we're watching on, on TV, obviously the interwebs and whatnot. Anyways, that was kind of a ramble, but here's the gist of it. Yeah, you have to question how legit they are as far as if they get into a ring with Georgia. I don't know even if a team like Oregon, who's on the cusp, right? You know, I mean, Tennessee and Oregon, you could put them together, you know, one loss to Georgia, best team in the country. And to have TCU... In front, I don't think so. I I know that it's lined up for them that, yeah. And this is why people are clamoring for a 12-team playoff, which will be begging for a 16 once you figure out how many of these matchups we can get. But yes, this is shaping up to be a year, which is why I've been saying all along, the hell with 2024, they're going to fast-track this and get it on. For 2023, if they can. I think this year is going to show the need, an immediate need for this to happen. Right? Okay. So, what do we think about Notre Dame, the tight one there I have today? I haven't got a chance to like follow up yet. Let's talk about last week. And, once again, Proving what we already knew about Clemson being major frauds. I mean, embarrassing frauds. I know you could say the same thing, you know, postscript about TCU, about them squeaking by against mediocre, or nobody plays deepest in that league, so it's hard to say. Whereas with Clemson, who we do think is a big boy and has proven themselves on the big stage, but we thought this Clemson team was kind of toothless. And yeah, if Notre Dame can, you know, basically go into go into the spa and slap you around and tell you to pack your bags and go. But one thing we have to wonder, even though I may have already answered my question, given the struggle against Navy they had today, has Mr. Freeman right at the ship after getting off to a very rocky start in South Bend? I would say the jury's still out as far as that's concerned. Yeah? Okay. Speaking of Notre Dame, former Notre Dame coach, Brian Kelly, doing that voodoo on the aforementioned Crimson Tide. What can we say after his early stumble? And, you know, this this FSU team obviously ain't no joke either. You know, two teams that have definitely made... One of the major turnarounds as far as 2022 is concerned. Right? And I know everybody has been dogging him with this fake southern accent. And, you know, and I think some of them were, you know, I got to give a certain people, you know, the Joel Klatz and Colin and folks like that, you know, who said this guy 
wanted to get to a conference where he could recruit the athletes that he could not get in South Bend. And watching Bama struggle, it's now 17-17. We have to decide, has the pack caught up to Alabama a lot quicker than we thought they were? Or, hey, maybe... All those years of being top dog, these guys are walking around Tuscaloosa with the NIL money, with their baby dolls, and you know where I'm getting that. Really hard, you know, when you're living the life of kings. Okay. I don't know if the gaps disappeared. I kind of think both can be true. Yeah, I know, taking the easy way out. What about Oregon? What are we going to do about Oregon? They have that one bad loss, but you really can't hold that against them. Alabama, I mean, Georgia, excuse me. The Bulldogs are the best team in the land. And I would get the feeling if they played again on a neutral site, Georgia would still win, but they ain't winning no 49 3. <clears throat> um, in a year where all their tough games are at Otson, today against the Huskies being no different, Utah next week, you have to go to Corvallis. But no SC on the schedule. I mean, even UCLA came here. So, you know, I it's hard for me to say. You know, they definitely went in that game in Pullman where they probably should have lost. I'll give them a check mark for that, even though I'm not watching the state. Being that team is so Jekyll and Hyde. I, I mean, if they run the table, not a lot you can say. Especially, even though their top games are at home. But I do believe this Beaver team, even though they're kind of a disappointment, Overall, as far as the kind of aspirations some of us thought they could rise to, still a very tough team, and they're just not going to show up there, you know, on Thanksgiving weekend and waltz through Corvallis. <laughs> it ain't that kind of party, right? Or whatever that game is. So, yeah, keep an eye on that, right? I mean, they're on the cusp, like I said earlier, with Tennessee, as far as crashing the party, the gang of four. They just have to make sure they don't stumble. And with SC, I watched them last night. Like everybody, Colorado plays you good for about a half a quarter. You think, well, maybe, you know, there might be danger. Yeah, SC opened up the throttle. Uh, unfortunately, Mr. Die got hurt. He's probably done from the year from what I was reading briefly. That, that's kind of a blow for them. But, yeah, it'd be nice to see. Now, it is at Austin, and I forget where how many games they've won in a row. I don't think the Huskies can come in to Austin and win. But Utah, who may have their number and has you know, had success, that's the game you're kind of looking at. I think if a neutral site against USC, especially when USC probably won't have Mr. Die, and you know, USC, USC's defense is pretty suspect. I don't know. We'll come back to it. We'll have, we'll have to see. Speaking of the Pac-12, Word on the street, the Aztecs may be Pac-12 bound. I would think there would be a pairing there. I keep seeing UNLV, once again, about Vegas being the hub. That would be a nice pair for the conference. I mean, it makes sense in a lot of ways. As far as the venues, the market, and just that being, I mean, San Diego State, you know, that has been good. I mean, Boise, I think they faded in terms of, you know, teams, if you're going to if you're gonna add West Coast teams. I, you know, but I don't think UNLV is quite there yet. They have to show 
a little bit more than what they've done. And they've, the program has definitely went leaps and bounds from the garbage we've seen before. But right now, let's be honest, as far as the stakes, they ain't there yet. And the ship's moving out of dock pretty quickly, if you know what I mean. Okay. Woo, we're just having too much fun here. And the buffaloes, man. Why? They're just, it's a terrible, pro I mean, even go to Folsom Field. It's cool looking and all that kind of stuff. Love the old school feel. But it just kind of feels like, you know, they give them the college try and that's it. You know, I don't know if there's really a lot of aspirations there in Boulder other than, you know, being pretty, living well, living your best life. But I think was are winning football for what we can see in this experiment, which has been quite a while now, ain't seeing a lot. Got to call, call it how I see it. How about, you know, back to Oregon. How about, you know, and that's kind of interesting this week, all the talk about, you know, Lanning might be interested in the Auburn job. And how Lanning shot it down quickly. You know, the grass isn't always greener. Unlike Willie. And let's talk about CMC. That's right. Coach Mario Cristobal. Boy, I'm telling you, the stink on the poo. I mean, the flies, the maggots. All kinds of stuff is collecting on the poo. The latest disappointment for the folks in Coral Gables. Getting beat by in-state rival. You know, I used to call it the state of Miami. The folks from Tallahassee coming down there and beating Miami 45 to Mofo 3. Now, I, I mean, I know I'm piling on and I have been, you know, from this guy from day one, you know, especially when I'm watching uh, a program that looks dangerous, which I never, in Oregon and Eugene, where I never thought with Mario Cristobal getting coaches way out of a paper bag. And... You know, I think down there, because there was a lot wrong before he got there, so I don't want to put this on him. I do believe he'll get the players. Maybe. But, you know, right now, he's got to be exposed for what we knew. I mean, obviously, you know, take what you will from the Pac-12. But, you know, the recruiting advantage, the superior recruiting advantage that was already built in there from Chip Kelly and all of his successors basically kept it up. But guys like Willie and Cristobal upped the game, you know, because of their access to different areas of the country. Big mess. I, I don't know. I mean, we talked ad nauseum about how the professors at Miami, you know, took pay cuts. And this guy's getting, you know, all that money. And this is the product you're seeing. Can't be any fun over day. Okay. Yeah, we're having a little bit too much fun here. You know, let me see here. One more program I have to, like, slap it. How about these boys ain't all that either? When I say these boys, you know I'm talking about the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Not the Dallas Cowboys. We the boys. But these boys... And Oklahoma State's rapid fall down the mine shaft. Kind of like we've seen this movie before with Mike Gundy's boys. I mean, I don't want to sound like I'm piling on, but... Okay. CFP rankings come out as I was talking about Tennessee and Oregon being on the cusp. Like you didn't already know, but this is how it's looking. You got Georgia, the Ohio State, the Wolverines and Mr. Harbaugh's boys, and then the aforementioned... Orna Frogs of TCU of Fourth Ward, Texas. There you go. Okay, let's lastly, we've been rocking this 
I know I knew this was going to be a fun podcast. How about McElroy? That's right, Mr. Greg. You know, he thinks NIL will drive St. Nick away from coaching. And, you know, Saban, as always, has to retort back because when you're St. Nick, nobody, I do what I do on my terms. I dictate when I stay, leave, what my opinion is on something like that. But read between the lines. I think he's on to something there, you know? I think with a lot of these guys, it's inevitable that they're never going to have the same level of control, especially if these, if these athletes are allowed to unionize to some certain degree. And just the fact that the kind of money that they're going to be making and the level of empowerment that comes with that, that same coach-to-player relationship can't be the same. And I think with these guys who've been able to build these you know, mega programs, you know, being able to have that control as far as shaping and leading men, you have to wonder how that works when people are getting fat stacks over and under the table. And, you know, right, right now there's no gate to, to regulate it. So anyway, speaking of the whole NIL, how about New York Times columnist Kurt Streeter? going after LSU gymnast Olivia Dunn for being a top of the female NIL recipients. And it's more about our beauty. Okay, folks, remember way back when, when this all started, how I beat on the drum endlessly about the whole beauty versus athletic thing? And you've got somebody here, call them woke, it doesn't really matter. I mean, this is another one of those where two points kind of makes sense, or at least I think he's being a little bit sour. But I always thought, you know, because I pick up the Cavender twins, and there was another big feature about them. I mean, it's, it's it's hard to say, right? When it comes to like, you know, if you're hot and you can monetize off of it, even if you a connection of from your college athletics, and this world, so be it. I think, and there was going to be a problem, you know, where people who are less, to be fair, ladylike, or are not, are not they're not ready for the catwalk, right? They're not hotties, and you know they they're more athletic types, and you know they're at the bottom end of the spectrum. And I think that's what Mr. Streeter is trying to argue, and you can't, you know, he's not wrong, but it's sort of like you know. The outrage, too, coming from everybody else. I get it. I see both sides of it. Cause, I mean, I think it's a problem. And you knew this is, was going to be right. <laughs> and this was going to be one of the hardcore debates in terms of, because, you know, people, when it comes to getting their happy on, male or female, attracted to male, female, or whatever the case may be, they'll spend lots of money. And people like the Cavenders, Miss Olivia, they're, they're tapping into it and they're making mad dollars and they're, you know, reaching stardom way outside of their non-revenue sports. Which basically, <laughs> unless you're not fo men's football or basketball, you're in a revenue sports, you know what I mean? But I know we're rocking this and we still got a couple of things. Tell you what, I'm not done with this thing. We'll be back with this and support in the near future once we get some more data. So we got to talk about hoops real quick. And, you know, it's like, hey, hoops, hey, hoops, what you got cooking? So, I'll let you go with this. Nothing major in week one. Well, actually, kind of. As far as the Pac-12, two of its squads have, have, you know, major, I mean, USC loses to Florida Gulf Coast, team that always shocks people in the tournament. So, I know it's an upset, but, hey, you got to be careful scheduling then. And the same thing with Oregon, 
they were ranked, I think, 21st. They lost to UCI last night. I know some people's eyes were popping, but me, as a Cal State Northridge you know, fanatic, as you all know, we're in the Big West. And I know you, you, uh, Irvine is legit. I mean, I was not surprised when I saw that, especially, you know, you come in there napping, that that team will definitely punch you. All righty, and what else do we have here? I know TCU almost avoided a major upset. You had the Sags and MSU on the aircraft carrier. Okay, you don't do it every year, but it's been a while since you did it. I still don't quite get it, but okay, it was on Veterans Day. Good, you know, for the folks at the installations to take part and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not going to be a sourpuss too much as far as that's concerned. Yeah. And uh, what else is there? So one more thing. Oh, yeah. 16 Nova getting te- nipped by Temple. But the Hoyas, the once proud, mighty Hoyas, ending a 21-game losing streak. How about that? All right, folks. That was a lot. This is what we love this time of year as far as being high above campus. We'll see you on the other side. Okay, welcome back to Fox Rig in a Foxhole. Season 5, episode 3, 131 overall. Time for one of our favorite subjects or segments. I don't know why I always say that first. Something you should probably know or things that happened in the sports world this past week you might want to know or care about. Well, let's talk about Brittany G. Brittany Griner. Man. I guess they relocated her to a Russian penal colony this week to begin serving out her nine-year sentence. How does this really play out over time? We keep hearing about a high-stakes prisoner swap. One the F is that going to happen? We know these things take time. Hopefully, you know... Maybe now with the election behind us and the anticipated rep wave, you know, or or blue um, defense, whatever the case, nobody really got what they wanted. So maybe they could, you know, focus on getting this woman back as opposed to going on each other's throats. I don't know. It just seems kind of ridiculous. I mean, obviously, Putin's still laughing just like going, hee, 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 hee. Yeah, I mean, I can go deep with this one, but you know, I gotta, I gotta stay neutral on these things. It's still just a shame that it's been a while, and I know I guess this be the kind of personal torture. And I know there's some of you out there who are like, well, she put it on herself. Even if she did, this still effing sucks, man. I mean, you know, if you have a little compassion in your heart. Okay, NASCAR wraps up, and lo and behold, Mr. Logano, yeah, he ends up at the at the end of all the craziness, ups and downs, big names, no names. He was the second 
Series Cup title. Props to him. So you gotta like give him a little props here. Let's let's see if we can do this. Right on, Joey. Never been one of my faves. But hey, he's got multiple, so he's giving me the bird in stereo. Good work there. So, in the sincere or not department, you have to wonder about our man, Lewis Hamilton. Yes, that Lewis Hamilton. Well, he had a lot of praise for Mad Max in his amazing season. And to, what, to that I say, yeah, okay. But then again... Kind of hard not to give props to a guy that has won 14 of the 20 races thus far in 2022. I mean, it's just flat-out dominance. I mean, this is better than Schumacher and, you know, some of the greats. <laughs> you go down the list. Yeah, it's been pretty dominant, and we have to wonder, is this going to be an era of dominance by him after, you know, the successful run that Hamilton was on? Time will tell. Okay. And, you know, we talked about cornhole. We've been talking about all kinds of gaming episodes, you know, where the integrity of the contest is becoming more and more a question. Well, this week, out of the UFC. Yeah. <laughs> Big, there was a fight, you know, that's under investigation for not being on a level. I think it's just with... Derek uh, Minner and Chilean Nurandanbiki. Probably slaughtered those names as I always do, but we're getting better. But yeah, apparently all kinds of irregularities, you know, at certain books, even some folks, some books refusing to take action from betters. But we'll be keeping an eye on this. You know, obviously, all kinds of integrity questions are starting to come up. There's so much money around. There's so many opportunities. And the one thing we do know about the hucksters, that if you provide them more opportunities, that gives them more windows to try to exploit. Human nature. We'll definitely be keeping an eye out tonight. Figure what time it actually goes down. But big fight. I mean, there's two bouts. But the main one for UFC 281, Alex Pereira is going to fight middleweight champion Israel A. Going for his middleweight belt. We talking about that or get some dope for what we can find out. Maybe figure out a way to watch it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Over as far as the boxing side of the coin is concerned, Dimitri Bill retains his WBA light heavyweight title with an impressive decision over Gilberto Ramirez over in the Emirates this past weekend. Something that really caught my attention. And I don't, and yeah, I don't really understand it. About California voters basically rejecting online gaming. And you have to ask yourself, what kind of racket you know, I'm trying to get some of some of the details, you know, because it's still kind of murky for me. But, you know, when you convince a population that to restrict folks from doing something, you know, right, if, you, if, if, if we can drink ourselves to death, uh, 
involved with other, you know, you know, questionable pursuits like smoke ourselves to death or chew, whatever the case may be. You know, this high and mighty. Now, if it's a certain situation where people didn't like the way it might be handled through, you know, the Indian casinos and things like that, Native Americans, we should say, our indigenous peoples. But the thing is, yeah, that's a real thorny thing. But you figure now with the whole DraftKings apparatus that states not allowing this to happen is a real head scratcher, right? Oh, that's what I'm just thinking, man. All right. More about this, too, once we get some more information. We'll actually probably you know, do a closer look segment at some point. But Murky, got a lot going on here. Especially as I'm watching in the quarter by eye, Bama and Ole Miss 24-24 to end of three. Give me a hell of a fourth quarter. Rushing to get this podcast in so we can tune up the duck game and some other stuff. You also got some great couch tour tonight, too. Okay, stop talking about your own life. Let's talk about Mr. Favre. Yeah, that's right, Mr. Favre. You know, Southern Miss's favorite benefactor. More nastiness coming from his from his realm. Gee, it's just not been a good year for Green Bay quarterback icons. I must want to think Bart Starr is probably like going, "Wow, man, you know, if he if he can look down on this, it's probably like it's probably a good thing I'm in heaven because they'd probably find something bad about me, even though I was a goody two shoe through and through." Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's just been, you know, talk more about Green Bay in the NFL report. But yeah, Mr. Favre and, you know, this, another company involved in some very shady stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I can't even, you know, I, I can't even touch it, man. We just have to see if it plays out. Maybe he can be a tough one thing, but boy, he sure is turning out to be a shady character. I had no idea that. He was into, like, deep crud, man. Okay, before we go, let's give a shout-out to Magic the Mogul. That's right, Irving Magic Johnson. Now, he wasn't that great as a basketball executive. But as a player and all that other kind of stuff, and, you know, having his hands in ownership, he gets a pass there. Being part of the Dodgers, say what you what you want about there. Being a partner of the Sparks, they've won championships. And now, LAFC winning the MLS, which we'll talk about extensively later in this podcast. But yeah, Magic, a true mogul. I mean, right, just involved in all kinds of stuff and very successful at every level. You know, we can always, you know, take a little shot here and there. Hey, man, that, that guy is truly, you know, getting some Louis B. Mayer points going here, man. Got to give the guy props, man. Okay, folks, we are banging through this. We are going to, like, rock some hoops when we come back on the other side.
Alrighty, folks. Welcome back to the Foxhole. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan, here. Oh, I just dread doing this segment when it comes to the NBA, because the NBA used to give me so much joy. Now, it's just nothing but heartache and sorrow. Yeah, right? You don't want to break out some Fela Kuti. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Well, let's start off with this. And you have to wonder, speaking of the Lakers and the crypt, uh, the Heat and FTX, basically one of those crypto companies that just went belly up, so much to the point where the Heat already have to go find a new naming rights deal, and they're already pulling the name off of the building, you know, which I guess used to be the American Airlines Arena or whatever the hell. Yeah. <laughs> you wonder, you know, you've seen, you know, the up and down with cryptocurrencies, and just all the crazy stuff that's happening right now. When you see some of these other buildings that have, you know, these sweet deals. I mean, right? I mean, the one with, with the, at the crypt is supposed to go through 2041. Yeah. I have a feeling we might be revisiting that conversation. Hopefully not. Okay. The Lakers. Andrew LeBron. 2-10. and 10. Even when he's up there. Look at the hell I'm rushed. AD. West. Playing more inspiring, but still a dumpster fire. Since I'm a fan and can't be impartial, I'm, I'm going to try to spare you all what I think and give you very little analysis on this this week. Other than those people who are calling for Jeannie Buss to at least sell some of the team, she should sell the whole damn thing. Go count your money. The Lakers make hell a bank. Not necessarily NFL bank, but for an NBA franchise being the Lakers, put in somebody who's got deep pockets, will hire the right people, won't have this nep nepotism that just poisons everything and leads to questionable decisions, if not stone cold boneheadedness. Yeah. Sell the team. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I hate the. Pull my favorite Joe Pesci line from JFK. But perhaps, yes, Genie and company, it's too big for you. The Clippers, holding very strong without Leonard. You know, Pandemic P and, and crew. And now, I mean, Kawhi's actually back to doing five on five. It doesn't really mean anything because Kawhi will play three or four games and take the next 20 off. I suppose if you can get him to some point where he's in basketball shape come playoff time, sure, he could be dangerous, but with that guy, nobody nobody knows. Sometimes I wonder if he even knows. Or he's just like saying, you understand, kid, I'm making those mad stacks. And that he is. You know, the Jazz, doing a so watch for the rest of the league. Everybody thinks they should be taking They're the best in the West. That Lorray marketing, blah, balling out. Uh, same with the Blazers. I feel the same way. Um, big win for the Blazers in New Orleans the other night. If these teams feel they can compete now and are built that way, more power to you. If it was me... I'd be I'd be barring in basement and build around that kid just knowing that's coming if I had a chance. And even that, uh, you know, his contemporary, who I don't think is on the, on the same level, but is still box office, 
get any one of those kids and be able to build a, a team for the next 10 years, especially with the kind of money that's going to be available if the whole thing doesn't blow up, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's the direction I would be angling in, but I'm not going to argue these teams that say, hey, why not us, why not now, and have the energy. Of course, you can only read into so much before Thanksgiving, mind you. But you like what you've seen, at least in the preliminary round. Brooklyn. Kyrie. Is his career, is his career catered? I mean, cratered. Not catered. It has, that it has been. But cratered? Yeah, I don't think so, right? You know, you saw Mr. Silver came out and... Said he's not anti-Semitic, and you know this has caused so many different conversations, you know, right? And boy, I just seem to be there's a lot of where there's both points that have a lot of right to them, and then you know we're just not gonna touch, you know, where they don't cross. Yeah, I I think the condemnation might have been harsh. And that someone like Phil Light saying we may sever our relationship, but do you know the stuff but doing business with China and the rest of y'all kinda hollow. I mean yeah, this as usual, Kyrie being the lightning rod for so many so many other things. And just yeah, you have to give, you know, that some of the things that have come across his bow since the bubble, and even before that, right? You know, there are intersections of some great social debates, you know, or interactions where we are, you know, in the, in the, in the era of Kyrie. And this one, you know, where somehow he's almost become slightly a martyr in this. You know, he's not going to have to completely fall on the sword because I do believe he will be playing again soon. And getting the clean bill of health from the commissioner helps. Obviously, not picking up the phone when your boss calls. Oh, man. Yeah, I know. I wasn't going to go there, but I did. Um, You know, it is it is the other dimension of weirdness. And that's the whole thing with, with Nash getting fired. The possibility that they would bring the Adoka stink into the building. Which, of course, all the Yentas... And do-gooders got out their high horse and were threatening to burn the Barclays Center down. Like, said, oh, you're going to have this anti-Semite, then you're going to bring this, uh, you know, Me Too violator, you know, and who knows what else into the building. Yeah, cooler has prevailed. Jock Bond, who was already the interim coach, well-liked in, in the basketball world, gets the tag, makes sense. I think bringing Mr. Adoka would have been a wonderful thing, but not now with all the mess, even without Kyrie's mess. Just it's just not a good optic for Brooklyn. They need to like tune that down and focus on playing basketball and perhaps salvage what they can out of the season, unlike a certain team out there on the West Coast. Warriors kind of struggling. Yeah, they needed 47 from Chef to rally past the Kings, and again last night. Got a couple of wins, but they're coming very hard. But once again, 
how much do you want to make before Thanksgiving of something, right? Not even Christmas. We don't even Thanksgiving, damn it. You know, we got Atlanta. People forgot about them. Mr. Young and company. Give the Bucks, who nobody's talking a lot about either. Their first loss. So, you know. Very early in certain teams, you know, that made noise last year. They were too fixated on, you know. Why. And they're great stories when you talk about, like, the Blazers and, you know, the Jazz. But some of these other teams. So, just saying. Keep an eye on both the Hawks and the Bucks. The Suns will be out without some depth. Big loss for them. Cam Johnson out a couple of months with injured knee. And one of these teams that, in my opinion, and they proved me I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Won't be the last time. But they're a team that was on the cusp of trying to be very good. Definitely not Eli, but might fall back to being good, if not mediocre, if they're not careful. That's what I'm seeing. Apparently what I haven't been seeing enough of, just because there's, there's only so many seconds of a day, and ain't nobody sure the magic anyhow, or at least not enough, but apparently Paulo Banchero is living up to all the hype, and he's delivering the Magic Kingdom. Must see stuff from what from all reports. Gotta like somehow sit down and try to watch a game or two of theirs one way or the other. All right, folks, we're still banging through this. See you on the other side to wrap up what happened on the diamond. Check out on the ice. All right, welcome back to Fox Running on the Foxhole. Episode 131. Hashtag 05-03. All right. Not that Grateful Dead album that we love so much, The Nightfall of Diamonds. But The Nightfall of Diamonds, MLB style. All right. We've wrapped up another season. And props to the Astros. There's many things going on here. Let's start off with the Astros themselves. Obviously, the cheaters and the scorned. Does this erase the stigma of winning that World Series against my beloved Dodgers? Probably not in most people's minds. But in that same way that any of these teams who won in the bubble, they win another championship, it invalidates any questions about dubious, tainted, all those sorts of things. In this particular case, it doesn't erase the sting, but as many astute observers of baseball will always say, people have been cheating since day one. It's built into the culture of baseball. This just became, you know, a little bit more noted because it was some high-age stuff as opposed to, you know, the Giants stealing everybody's signals, and that allowed them to catch the Dodgers back in 1951, which led to, you know, the shot heard around the world. 
No, nothing new there as far as people up to no good affecting the outcomes of games. You know, you know getting your better edge, getting your better advantage. Um, yes, because it's way more high profile, more way more high tech. You know, it wasn't on the level of what happened, obviously, in 1919. It was pretty bad. And some people paid a heavy price for it. But, you know, the team took everybody's criticism, shook it off. They were, this is what, you know, they were in the World Series last year, came up short, did not this year. I mean, this Phillies team, what can we say? They were looking, you know, poised. We, I thought, you know, when the, they brought out the lumber and, you know, the Strohs set them down. Okay, about Dusty. He does vanquish his one blemish. I mean, right? What happened? Well, two, actually, as my brother Jeff pointed out. The failures with the Giants, with the Angels, and the Marlins of just collapses. I think that now Dusty beating a very uh, formidable Phillies team. Great story. He's going to be back next year, going to the Hall of Fame. You know, obviously, store player with the Dodgers, Braves, and a lot of other good stuff. But it's a great story. You know, he's always been a class act. Um, you know, as he used to say, when, they, when he was with the Giants, somebody had to ask him, how does he... What's his approach to managing? And he said, I manage the game the way Miles Davis leads a band. You know, when somebody can break it down for you like that, you're like, yeah, okay, Dusty's my kind of guy. And so, yeah, very happy for him. You know, a nice achievement on his way to Cooperstown. Fantastic stuff there. Mr. Verlander is going to opt out. Even longer than the tooth, he can still bring it. People are going to want to pay top dollar for his services. Wouldn't be surprised if he still remains in Houston, given what they can do there. Jim Glick, on the other hand, only being offered a one-year deal to remain GM at first. Now, we'll be taking his talents elsewhere. Big shakeup there, but I guess, you know, the strain of everything that went down in the wake of all that, the scandal and other things. Yeah. But hey, he walks away being the architect of at least, you know, what what went down. So other people will be in demand of the services, that you can guess. I know people are cranky, you know, but what about Houston's Mattress Mac? Jim Ingval, winning $75 million betting on H-Town. And he's a good dude as far as goes out to charity and takes care of people and stuff like that. But $75 million. Damn. Okay, in spite of what the commissioner has to say, Oakland and the A's apparently are continuing to work on a deal. Commissioner says, you know, trade out the light, the party's over, but there's still, there's still discussions going on. Which makes me wonder, why, 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 why? Now, don't get me wrong here. I ain't got the pom-poms as far as wanting to A's to leave Oakland. I mean, I moved to NorCal in the early 70s. I remember the A's winning three in a row. And, you know, but 
other forums everywhere, we've talked about the problems the East Bay have in the modern sports world. And so I don't think it's a crime, but you know, if there is truly a sincere effort to keep the A's in Oakland, by all means. But if it's more of a dog and pony show, then get let's get this Vegas party going the sooner the better. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of the champion Astros, H-Town, swinging and swaying, the early numbers are already out in terms of who should be the favorite in 2023. And the Dodgers, once again, why, 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 why? Haven't you all seen enough of them not having enough money in their wallets? <laughs> I mean, I get why, yeah, they might be a favorite, but it's just like, in the end, the odds shouldn't be that great given that these guys do know how to choke on a playoff series better than most teams in the history of the sport. And that's saying a lot, by the way. Gene Mock's like going, I know, I agree. Ooh. If you old timers know about that one. So, coming out of Dodger Blue, we know that Mr. Kershaw will be back for 2023. No surprise there. It would have been absolutely criminal for him to wear another uniform than the Dodgers. Do whatever, as long as he wants to play, figure out a way to keep Kirk Clayton at Chavez Ravine. No brainer. He's still like Verlander. He still has some good innings in him. You just can't put the whole ship on his back like you've done and probably, you know. We let's not go there. How about this? JT. Justin Turner, they don't pick up his option. So, does he, does he take a home count discount? Or is it time for JT to, like, play the string out somewhere else? We shall see. Let's talk about Mr. Cohen, shall we? Over in Mr. Cohen's land, undeterred by failure in 22, he is opening up the checkbook. Signs reliever Edwin Diaz to a record five-year, $102 million deal. Christmas is going to be good in the Diaz household, and anybody who's his buddy, that's for dang sure. However, Mr. DeGrom decides to opt out to test the free agent market. Why not? Him on the market? Somebody's going to open their checkbook up. We'll see what happens as far as what Mr. Cohen does to retain him. And across the way over in the Bronx, Mr. Rizzo opts out of New York. No surprise there. And speaking of Mr. Judd's, the going back to the Bay Area, the Giants, they say they may be able to afford Aaron Judge's price tag. Does he want to leave the Bronx so he can be a masher over at Oracle? We'll see. Promises to be a very spicy offseason with tantalizing rumors like that out in the wild. Okay. How about the scorn ones appearing on the Contemporary Hall of Fame ballot. Yeah, I know, the distinctions. Does anything change? I don't think so. I think it gets closer, but I think the people that are so put off by these guys blemishing the game that are probably a part of that establishment as well, we'll see. Maybe Cooler Heads will prevail, and, I mean, I think it's both Barry and Roger 
I don't know about some of these other guys like McGuire and the Palmeros and Sosas, but I think when it comes to guys like Roger and Barry, it's like, yeah, all right, these guys are assholes, but we got to let them in. 2024. We'll, we'll be keeping an eye on that. Okay. Um, let's talk one thing from, from, from the, from the uh, ice rink of life. How are we with Mitchell Miller receiving a lifetime ban basically for a bullying incident when he was 14? Woo! Lots of unpack here. You know, and you know, so you Cam Neely kind of come out just all choking up about we didn't vet this properly. Oh, you vetted it properly. You just tested the waters to see if you can get away with it. Kind of a kid came out, you know, the story about the guy and his buddies were, were an asshole and bullying. Back in my day, you would have been able to get away with it. Homie, we'd be making lots of money. But we ain't back in my day. This is a different age. And, you know, be careful, folks, what you do growing up because we're at different times. You know, apparently it affected this young man. Um, and... It's ugly. Um, should it be a lifetime ban? No. I do believe that in the ensuing time, and I don't know what this gentleman, uh, Mr. Miller, has done to prove that he's rehabilitated himself, become aware of his past behaviors, you know, or, or whether it's window dressing. I know he's got some people who are, like, saying move on. But apparently this kid, his family, and his supporters haven't. And it's still a bridge too far for many for this guy to be playing in the NHL. And that's where we are with that. You have an opinion on this? Let me know. I'd be curious to hear it. F-T-I-N-F-X at gmail.com. On that note, we will hop over to the beautiful game life and see what's on pitch side when we come back. Welcome back to Fox Trotting in a Foxhole. Oh five. Oh three. One thirty-one. Let's go pitch side, shall we? Okay, hold on one second. Alright. Plane was flying over. It was loud. Looks like Saint Nick is going to escape. Lane Kippen looking very disappointed. Torch hasn't been passed that quickly. Talk a little bit more about that next week. Meanwhile, let's get pitch side. United States women's national team drops three in a row. 2-1 loss to Germany on Thursday evening. First time ladies have lost three in a row since 93. Think about that, folks. I was still in Northridge my last year at CSUN. Right? The Raiders were still in L.A. Playing at the mausoleum. Yeah, man. A long time ago. Like like Joe Carter. Like when Kurt Schilling was on the Phillies. All right. Well, World Cup anxiety and the fear is real. You know, talked about last week, the injuries. They continued this week, you know, with people who are going to miss out on the party starting in eight days. 
you know, the big fixtures this weekend. There was some concern where PSG's Christopher Gautier had to come out and basically say, hey, you know, if you're on this squad, you're playing. Um, you know, guys like Jesse Marsh saying he doesn't really care about the World Cup. I'm really concerned about the club. So, you know, I expect my, my, my players to perform. But yeah, at this point, no one wants to get hurt. But, you know, you're also going to do your obligations for the club, too. And, you know, we got through today. I haven't really seen my, if there were any major injuries. I know there were yesterday. Hopefully tomorrow we get, you know. And managers got to do what you got to do. As we'll see here, the races are pretty tight. So nobody just wants to give points up just for the sake of preserving people for the World Cup. Okay. United, speaking of the World Cup, United States national men's team names its squad for, for Qatar. And now everybody's all of a sudden an expert on the U.S.'s chances for success. These fools who you know don't watch U.S. soccer one bit like the Michael Will Bonds and Shannon Sharps and Stephen A's. I mean, you know, they'll be talking with Mr. Twillman and you're just like, man, shut the hell up. Or even Frank Izola, who I think actually does maybe know a thing or two. But you just get kind of irritated. You know, it's one thing to hear the know-it-alls on soccer Twitter, but at least they know and passionately follow or passionately want to see the U.S. fall on its ass, you know, that self-hate thing. You know, I know the big thing, Ricardo Pepe not being on the squad, people having their quibbling there. One thing I think we all can agree on, getting out of the group stage, very important, okay? You know, I mean, nobody's expecting the win. Sorry, John Hamm, Santa, and the kid that says, hey... <laughs> Yeah, it probably ain't going to happen. But getting out of the group stage would be a major victory as, you know, we head for the World Cup for 2026 being here in North America. I think we can all agree on that. If not, ftinfxgmail.com. We can have a discussion about it. Okay. Let's go here. I've been holding back. And the MLS Cup. And I'll talk a little bit more about it in the closer look. But... There's a new champion, and this party's been long overdue. But yeah, that's right, the black and gold, the Los Angeles Football Club, win their first title in a shootout at Bank of California Stadium. Hollywood swinging. Tell you, Gareth Bell, speaking of the World Cup, hasn't done much, but you saw why he, LAFC brought him, especially down a man down after Crapo goes. We'll get into a bit more detail about that here in a minute. But, yeah, quite the scene, quite a bit of vindication there. Great season, you know, and you just get the feeling this is, you know, a major moment as MLS tries to turn the corner. Prophecy to the folks at LAFC for a job well done, winning their first MLS Cup. Nice to see that star. Just <laughs> go check out the, my cover photo on Facebook. First thing I did when LAFC posted that. Yeah, yeah, I was very happy. Okay, more about that in a minute. Uh, UCL round of 16 was announced, the knockout round. What are we excited about? Well, Real Liverpool and PSG and Byron hooking up. A lot of other great matchups, obviously, but those are the heavyweights that you'll be seeing. Over in Europa League, yeah, you're going to see a little Barca and United. That should, you know... Talk about, oh, it's not rigged. Oh, no, we're going to get the matchups. It's going to pull the eyeballs. And Barca and United, yeah. CR7 and, all the, and, and that shit show. 
So apparently Liverpool is on the market. Man, Commanders on the market. Lakers possibly on the market. What will these franchises go for? If indeed true. And if the Fimway group, boy, we're talking some, some mad dollars coming here. Okay. The wet jab once again. Mr. Blatter, former head of the whole governing body, coming out and saying, well, Qatar, the World Cup, was indeed a mistake. Really, dude? No, you don't say. How nice of you to come out and say that now. Yeah, the wet jab for you. Okay, let's do a quick blitz of what's going on in Europe. Over the EPL, which can't say, we'll talk about this more next week, City, dropping some points in extra time. You know, obviously, you know, the World Cup coming up. But last week, they were down a man, and Mr. Holland, that goal-scoring machine, saved City with a late goal. No heroics today. Liverpool knocked the Spurs down a peg. Everybody turned it on Mr. Conte, as the Spurs have had kind of a rough run of late. How about Yune's boys? That's right, Yune Emery. You know, back in the Premier League, Aston Villa, take it down United at Old Trafford. Big takeaway here, the Gunners, that's yes, right, Mr. Arsenal, the folks at the Emirates, still lead the table by two and could possibly be as much as five if they win tomorrow because it said City losing today in, 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 at Brentford. The game went kind of long. Over La Liga, we've had some flip-flopping as... Los Blancos have kind of run afoul lately. Next thing you know, Barca leads the table by two. Which is interesting because otherwise, Atletico, Villarreal, and Sevilla, you know, have all really played fantastic in recent years, are all struggling to find form and are all possibly in danger of missing European football in the next campaign, which may not be good for anyone's bottom line as far as those squads are concerned. Yeah. Okay. You know, and you and you wonder, though, when it comes to these squads like that, you know, that over time having to play these extra competitions do they wear, does the attrition catch up to them after a while? And it might be time to retool. Over the Bundesliga, you know, Bayern doing what it always does. You think for a minute the feel-good stories of Freiburg and, like, uh, FC Union Berlin. But sooner or later, after 14 match days, the crew from Munich lead by four. Getting to have the NFL there tomorrow. Russ and Tom... All, all, all was going well in Munich. And Bayern, you know, I guess we can expect to, for them to run away and win another title. Whereas in the MLS, it gets scoring. LAFC winning. Nine, that's the ninth winner in the last 11 years. But Bayern, this is going to be, what, their 10th or 11th in a row? Yeah, because you don't, I just don't see these other squads, even if Bayern appears to be slightly diminished, having a chance. Right? Over in Serie A, Napoli continues to be the story. They have an eight-point lead over Lazio, which is a good story. And, AC, and the defending Skido uh, holders, AC Milan. Juventus, you know, after their you know decade of dominance, they're kind of twisting in the wind. You know, ten points off off the uh, the pace. Over in my favorite league, Ligue 1, 
League One. Neymar and Danilo basically, you know, come up with two goals. This was like another four o'clock a.m. match that after winning, after LAFC winning, I got really hammered. Gee, big surprise there. Woke up hungover as you know what. Somehow watched this match. Totally uninspired. You know, the same with another bottom dweller tomorrow at 4 a.m. And just like, oh, man, the torture. But, you know, for their global audience and other places, a lot of them to get to see games. I understand that. And especially, you know, matchups like this on the cusp of the World Cup. But, oh, good grief. Anyways, uh, that rant about me having to get up too early to watch the Parisians. They do hold a five-point lead over R.C. Lenz, which, as I said repeatedly, a definite feel-good story as far as the year in Ligon is concerned. Um, Lille and Lyon need to step it up if they wish to be part of European Knights next year. Because where they are right now, it ain't going to happen. All right, folks, that was the blitz of what's going on pitch side. We'll be back with a closer look on the other side. Welcome back to Fox Radio to Foxhole. Looking at the Ducks in their vibrant uniforms and the Huskies. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of luminaries, a lot of people in town. Friend of the show, Alec Ford. Friend of the show, Ben C. Among the few luminaries out at Austin Stadium. Wish I was there, but not really because of how cold it is out there. I'm like, no, but I do like four o'clock kickoffs there. All right. Time to opinionate, editorialize, rant, all that good stuff. Closer look. Okay, let's start off with a story about a club that dared to be big. Hollywood swinging. That's right, the Los Angeles Football Club. I try not to let my homerism come in these podcasts too much. You know, obviously, as I've said before, I can't help it that some of the teams I like are some of the most high-profile teams. And they were, I liked them before. In some cases, they got to be high profile as they are. Oh, well, so be it. For some good, some bad. But in this particular case, this is not about, but, you know, the truth I told you that I became a fan of this club the day it was announced. I know my sixth sense told me this was going to be something special. And, you know, the brain trust behind LAFC, they promised something special. They were good from day one. And, you know, it was kind of like one of those things where they were so good in year one, you thought they might win two or three cups. And they had an p- opportunity. If Simon and Latif Blessing's goals hadn't sailed, and penalties, if their attempts on goal hadn't sailed, who knows? Or losing to Real Salt Lake. Anyhow, point being is, you know, the first big signing, you know, getting Carlos Vela, the Mexican national hero, as far as the beautiful game lab is concerned. Um, all of those things culminated last week. And what a showcase it was for MLS, for one. 
and the vindication, you know, of JT, John Therrington, and all the other brain trusts at LAFC. Magic's part of the crew, you know, as I said earlier, Magic the Mogul, you know, Nomar and Mia, Will Ferrell, you know, yeah, on and on. Point being is, you know, not, they went to a town where the Galaxy, a standard bearer of the league, but I don't know, it's always, I always get the sense that, you know, even when I wasn't a big MLS fan, that the get that people in LA, and I've lived in LA for, you know, on and off, you know, for, you know, different stints, that yeah, if the fever wasn't, you know, like LAFC has been able to generate, it was just like, hey, this is another, you know, nice thing that we have that can win championships. Not to say the Galaxy don't have high, hardcore fans, but... I never felt they captured the imagination of the city in the way this club did. And this is a this is a city that has major franchises. And for this team to sort of like have an imprint and sort of like have folks, you know, I could call in Calgary like, hey, I go to their games. Very impressive. And you know what that has meant for the league. I mean, that's why I know that it is annoying at times, you know, with the commentators and their gushing over this franchise but there was a you could tell there was a big bet that this team could be good and the galaxy could wake up it would be really pivotal you know with already with seattle and portland and their thing as far as make, getting this league to the next level and i think what you saw you know, all the you know shenanigans right i mean the red card going the extra time and you know going into the penalties and, you know, then to see, you know, some of the best fans in MLS finally have their moment after being in the score of folks not, because of not, always failing to get it done in the past, it was quite satisfying. A good moment, you know, for the league and for that club and its fans. All right, I could talk for hours about that, but we won't. Okay, how about Kyrie? A bridge too far. As I was saying earlier. I don't know what to think about this one. Um, you know, clearly, <laughs> we talked about, you know, what happens when you go there and you go against that group of folks and that crowd. You know, I don't even say that crowd, even say it that way. I mean, there's just so many things at play there. And, you know, it's weird, though, because we seem to be coming down on this guy, you know, and rightfully so, right? Because there's no place for it. But when the league itself takes lots of money from oppressive regimes and has no problem wanting to export its project to these places and has very little qualms about it, it's kind of hard, you know, and I think maybe that is why Mr. Stern really tried to say, hey, let, let me see what's in your heart and your mind. He's just like, man, we've got too much going on here. We have to resolve this. Because, you know, Kyrie, if he wanted to, could have made this pretty ugly. Because he is Kyrie, oh, Kyrie, he still might. Nobody knows, because other than this guy is a walking, you know, he's, a, he's the human grenade. Who knows what's going to happen if he pulls the pin? But in this in this particular case, I think 
Mr. Stern, I mean, Mr. Silver, excuse me, geez. I think Stern would have handled it much differently. This we can be assured of. <laughs> but Mr. Silver, being, you know, the astute man that he is, and a very patient man, I probably called him up, called him in, you know, had a side by side, you know, because obviously, yeah. I mean, you know, it's not what it, the problem with Kyrie is, you know, as and you know, I don't agree with Stephen A's and the other folks that much, but I do think I'm in unison with them about this guy. Stop trying to be the smartest guy in the room. When you do that, you get exposed pretty quickly. And in this particular case, you know, most people think you are a moron as opposed to any being anything resembling the smartest guy in the room. You know, tone it down. As Katie said, a lot of this stuff should have been kept in-house and did not need to become the big deal that it did. But it did. All right. Let me close out on this one. <laughs> How about the Philly Lick? Not, I'm not talking about, you know, Philly Joe Jones getting the, getting the groove with Miles. I'm talking more about... Philadelphia becoming like the first city to lose two championships on the same day? Can you imagine being a Phillies fan and a Union fan and getting the double whammy in the abdomen? Oh, man. I mean, it's brutal for me just losing one championship. I couldn't imagine taking it twice. Um, and, you know, given that their reputation is being some of the salty and meanest fans, you know, none of us are shedding one tear for the city of brotherly love and its fan base. But still, you're just going to go, wow, man. Especially if you like baseball and the beautiful game life. And you can say, yeah, man, we still got we still got Fly Eagle Spy and the Sixers will are like, still, you got to think, that was a very bitter pill to take. And you got to think the bars and liquor stores did quite a bit of cash. You know, especially, you know, with the Phillies and, and the run they were on and how it, the city revolved around that. And looking, like I said, when they busted out the lumber, like, you know, this was going to be a special moment. They couldn't be stuck. And then Houston, you know, the pitchers just said, oh, no, that'll be enough of that. And slam the door shut. And, you know, with this MLS thing, why we were just talking about LAFC, why some of us who love this league so much, the unpredictable. As I said to a you know, friend of the show, Andy G, about the MLS final, I was like, hey, MLS final, go home, you're drunk. And that's, you know, the MLS for you, how that match turned out. Because it could have gone, you know, numerous ways. And if you're... Hardcore fan, and there's plenty of folks that make the trek out to that wonderful facility. You know, very loyal dupe folks. Painful, uh, you know, for Union and Phillies fans. That's the Philly lick. All right, folks, we will close it out here on the other side because I got to watch some duckies and, and huskies with some NFL report and some TMCA time on the other side. Booyah.
All righty. Huskies draw first blood at Austin. You know, this is going to be a barn burner. All right, let's do some NFL reports, shall we? Start with the Colts. Mr. Ursay, jeez, man. Well, you know, in the, the, the Colts couldn't make it work with Phillip Rivers, really. Couldn't work, make it work with Jacoby Brissett, obviously. The whole thing with Car Carson Wentz. And now, you know, and I was ugly Maddie Ice. Enough's enough. Lowest uh, offensive output in a quarter century and a bad loss to New England. I mean, when Mac Jones bosses it over you. But Frank Reich is sent to the showers or the unemployment line. Ursay being Ursay. And Ursay being Ursay hires the beloved Jeff Saturday, who, yes, he's coached at high school, but has no coaching experience at any other level, really. Not, not to mention the Rooney rule. What that be? Um, now, yes, interim coaches, it doesn't apply to, but it's a flagrant violation of the spirit of the rule. And you have to wonder moving forward when, you know, I get, you get it, right? The optics are weird on this one. You know, when you understand not only how distinguished someone like Jeff Saturday is, you know, playing with Peyton Manning, most of those years, and then Aaron Rodgers, and just watching him on ESPN. But this is somebody Mr. Ursay is comfortable with, somebody he can trust to come in. And this is why I've always had a problem with the Rooney rule, is that you're kind of asking football to kind of be, you know, in the vanguard of rewriting our whole labor culture in terms of management. And how people are hired. Yeah, there's a lot of nepotism and all that kind of stuff. And wanting to be around people you're comfortable with. Duh! And so here, I understood the outcry. You know, that a lot of people out there, you know, folks, you know, like you said, John Fox and other folks that coaching experience. And some up-and-comers who probably may have deserved the chance. But then if everything goes to shit especially with someone like Ursay, then, oh, well, they were set up for failure. Especially, you know, I don't think that's a fair place to put, you know, worthwhile candidates of color, don't, right? I mean, I, I don't think that's the, the way to go for them. That's the best option. So where does that put us then? Um, is this a loophole that people can take advantage of? Or do we somehow come to a better understanding of this? And like I said before, the best thing you can do is provide the training to all people who want to get into coaching and, you know, set up academies and just create, you know, a factory of, you know, maybe a major or some kind of discipline. I'm not sure. We've talked about this in the past, you know, just ways to get people trained. Like you, I've said a million times with the sons of quarterbacks and the people who played the game, how they have a leg up. That, you know, right, start, you know, creating this with, you know, opportunities for people who might be interested at the earliest age. So they have this, they have the skills. And if, you, if somebody wants them, it's on them. You know, if they want somebody they're more comfortable with as opposed to somebody who might get them into the next era. But I think you cannot pressure people to put somebody in charge that they don't want. Somebody that they don't feel comfortable with. It's a recipe for disaster. 
Whoa, we got on that one. Okay. Kirk Cousins. He likes FedEx even more now, huh? And the Commanders. What a week there. Yeah, I don't even know how much I can say about the Commanders. They'll, you know, a, a great opportunity for the fans, but leave it to the Commanders to let Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins doesn't scare me because I know when the chips matter the most, he will find a way to F it up because that's who he is. Until he proves me wrong, you've made a lot of money, but you will never have any money. And I may not like what you did on Sunday, but I do like the fact that I can count on you to be you. In the words of, you know, <laughs> Buddy Colvin. The thing that really irritated me, too many buys this past week. Only two games in the afternoon window? WTF! Talk about a dry sandwich that didn't taste good. Okay, hold on one second. Quick adjustment. Okay. How about T-Law finally being on the right side of a tight game? And the Raiders just being pathetic. I mean, absolutely pathetic. A lot of expectations, and you can't even beat these sad sacks. Good win for T-Law, though. Good to see that we can get a sense that things might be pointing in the right direction as far as you know his career path is concerned. The Packers smelling like rotten fish. The nightmare continued on Monday. The team found out they'd be down with two. They'll be down two more starters for the remainder of the seasons. Lions rough, rough, rough time at Ford. Them getting a smile. Um, what's his face? His wife or mom actually trolling Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Just a six. I mean, rotten everywhere. Even my friend Heather O. You know, was saying she wanted to get a bucket hat. And with a Packer logo on it, but more happy that was, you know, roses instead because of how stinky your Packers have been. Yeah, yeah. The Jets telling Josh Allen and company, y'all ain't that special. Rolling on the dirty boulevard, folks. And you've got Josh Allen facing injury. We'll have to see what's going on there. you got Brady staying, you know, relevant. And the Rams truly being a one-hit wonder. You know, Brady becomes the first to reach 100,000 passing yards. 55 come from high win victories. Aside from losing to Giselle, this guy wins at everything, right? But, you know, Jalen Ramsey calling up the Rams' offense, fair or foul. I have to say it's pretty fair, given how putrid things have been down there at SoFi. Um, Dolphins hold off a very pesky Chicago squad. Didn't want to roll over. Justin Fields rushes for 178 yards. Boy, this guy's turning into, you know, for, you know, the quarterback they wanted the Windy City since Sig Luckman. I mean, for reals. But don't go cashing those lottery checks just yet, Bears fans. Kind of know if the Bears really moving forward with leaving Soldier Phil for the suburbs. Got some traction there this week with that. Um, Chargers won the Oregon Bowl. Well, was a very strange game in the Big Peach. Kind of a tough week for the Falcons. Also losing uh, Thursday night against Charlotte. In a, who, in a game that was bad for everybody's eyes. Um, the Seahawks continue the post wins. And the Cardinals, you know, being what we expected them, right? This whole thing with Russ and Pete and their worst. Can we just move on? Pete, you're showing you can do it without you. Russ, you got some more cooking to do. Just move on. No need for it. You all got what you wanted. Baker, 
got, got some love and mop up time, but then he did the whole thing with, uh, you know, headbutting people without a helmet on, just showing, you know, there's not a lot of brain matter between those ears, checking for CTE. Joey Cool starting to strut his stuff even more as far as the Bengals trying to set up another run. They had the they had the Mahomes magic and that OT thriller, you know, over the Titans. Lamar got a little heated, but you know the Ravens trolled the Big Easy. All right, hold on one second before we go to TMCA time. All right, all over the place right now, multitasking. Ducks get a field goal, seven three. All right, time for that weekly part. Oh, look at this, making all kinds of noises. Time for that weekly part of the week where we hand out the stainless steel bowl of the stainless, the smelly varieties, you know, complimentary, regular, and XL for people whose deeds this week and any week or them being just them warrant it. TMCA time, folks. Ursay for giving Snyder a run of his, for his money. He's starting to collect a few of those, but this guy just... Really be putting the T into the URD. Gonna give XLs for DC politicians for the dog and pony show, the AG. Enough already as far as coming up for Snyder. And Snyder for the commode that keeps these idiots coming after him. You know, year after year. You know, XLs around. You all figure out who gets what. Um, I'm gonna give an XL to Tom Izzo for eating to shut the hell up. You know, tired of MSU being the bad guy? Well, whose guys were stopping that Michigan kid? Um, I'm going to give him an XL. Two XLs. The Raiders were totally crapping out on making the Vegas experience special with this horrible product. Just been putrid all the way around. Other than having a stadium. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give compliments to all the talking heads who... Seem to be experts when they want to all ignore what was an exhilarating MLS Cup final. Yeah, whatever. An XL for FS1 for subjecting us to that stupid little jingle that Skip sings with, with, with Shay. Michael, Michael, 11 in heaven. Good grief. Put a muzzle on that. Ruins the morning when you hear nonsense like that. Okay. Going to give complimentaries to all the fools trying to create a story by saying Lan Dan Lanning would leave Eugene for Auburn after one year. Mofo, please, especially this being his first gig and just basically be given the keys to Ferrari. Come on, folks. Um, okay, we're going to give complimentaries to the Wooks that were puffing so hard in Hartford the other night that they set off the alarm, causing the Desco Bessons show to end prematurely. Wowzers. Come on, guys. I know I, everybody enjoys a little 420, but come on, man. <laughs> Triggering off the alarms. Okay. Gotta give an XL for Elon Musk for the Twitter fiasco. What a shit show that's become. Hell yeah. Gonna give an XL a Baker for just clouding himself. And then we're going to give three XLs to the NCAA for suspending Virginia Tech linebacker Alan Tisdale for winning 41 bucks for betting on the NCAA finals when all these other shenanigans are going on. Are we serious? All right, folks. That was a sandblast edition of all that. 
We made it through another week. Be safe. World Cup's coming up here soon. A lot of things. Bobo's LAFC, champions of the MLS. Still smiling about that. But we'll probably be back in six or seven days to run it back with you. All right, until then, enjoy adult beverages. Be safe and sane.